never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that survived its first night at Freddy's. We got four more to go. My name is Drew. I'll be your first. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me is, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. How's it hey, going? Man. Um, how What's you doing? Up? How's this week? How's your week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. It's been uh, short, but uh, no, no complaints so far. So, uh, um, how about you? <laughs> we were just talking uh, early pre-show that uh, we're recording this like one day early, well, two days early. So we're gonna have so we're gonna have two episodes of Boba Fett to talk about next week, hopefully. So, yeah, no Boba uh, Fett this week, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm I'm totally down for doing a double feature on the Boba Fett uh, review. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't have anything too exciting because I've been crazy busy since we last talked. Um, but I have been able to watch a couple things. Uh, what about you? Do you want to just start it off? We have a ton of news, so I say we don't waste any time, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did get a chance to watch a couple, uh, things this week, even though we're recording a little early, but, um, so Peacemaker came out on HBO max. Have you watched this yet? Not yet. Um, okay. <laughs> this is, the, this is the, I have to, I, I was like, okay, this or that or, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I just got a, if you just heard that noise, I just got a, um, a notification that my OneDrive wants to try and do something, but I don't want it to do that. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Fun stuff. Well, I'm glad you haven't watched it yet because I haven't watched it yet either. <laughs> I was a little okay. bit worried we were going to be talking about it uh, um this episode, but I was actually looking for something to watch earlier today and I really wanted to start Peacemaker, but, uh, my wife wasn't home at the time and I was just like, you uh, know, she's probably going to want to watch it too. And she's going to be mad <laughs> if I start it without her. So I abstained from that, but, um, I ended up watching, um, almost all of, I didn't have a time to squeeze, squeeze it all in, but I ended up watching, um, uh, most of the Injustice animated movie, because that's on HBO Max as well. And I just really wanted to watch something from DC Comics <laughs> sure. to satiate my uh, peace, Peacemaker craving. And uh, no, that movie is really awesome. Um, I've read a decent amount of the comics and the movie seems to follow the comics pretty well, except um, kind of streamlining a lot of things like adding brevity to, to certain aspects of the story, but I thought it's, uh, it's really intense and stuff. And so that's pretty great. I don't know if you've watched injustice yet. Drew. So I'm sure I, you have, right? Well, that's the thing. I've been collecting all of the animated DC movies and, um, that one arrived, like I've been collecting, like I've been just pre-ordering them and they've been showing up. So I have this amazing collection of DC animated stuff on my shelf that one arrived at my house at the wrong time, and I went, I don't have time to watch that right now, and I basically <laughs> put it on the shelf, and I, no, not forgotten about it, but it's more of yeah. like, oh yeah, I need to watch that, oh yeah, I need to watch that, you know, so, yeah. uh, 
out of curiosity, though, there is in, in, in the realm of comics, there's the Injustice comic line and then there's Injustice 2. Um, where does this fall? Because I haven't read either. I was thinking about watching the movie and then reading the comics or maybe I should just read the comics. And I don't know. I In terms of this <laughs> one, I'm just not I'm kind of not sure it where to start. So. Yeah, it depends. So from everything I've read, I think it's just gone through Injustice 1. But I know Injustice is a pretty extensive storyline. And I know it's I also know it's like I don't it's still going right. The Injustice comics. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I, I believe so, because I know it's like one of DC's best selling titles, or at least it was like a few years ago when I checked. So I have a feeling they're going to be releasing multiple in- Injustice movies. I'd be really surprised if um, if they didn't. Um, I haven't read Injustice 2, so I think everything I've seen, you know, falls in line with what I've read in the comics, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, okay. But so primarily Injustice 1 is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And um, no, it, this I think... I did. I do think I've enjoyed the comics a little bit better just because the storyline feels a little bit more drawn out, um, you know, when you're reading it as opposed to watching it, because Injustice is basically Superman's like trail to becoming like an evil totalitarian like dictator almost over the world and stuff. And it's if you're watching it in like a short animated movie form, uh, I think Superman starts to go a little too evil a little too fast as opposed to when you're reading it it feels a little bit more drawn out if that makes sense so that was my probably my only complaint but otherwise it's just a badass story and it's just filled with just awesome superhero easter eggs and action and all that so yeah (laughs) justice all right um otherwise speaking of hbo max uh the other new thing I watched is uh, the new season of Euphoria just started on HBO okay. Max. That's a um, show I have not uh, dipped. I have not uh, jumped on yet. So yeah, and it's a really messed up show. Um, so <laughs> it'll be interesting if you ever <laughs> dip your toes into Euphoria or not. But um, this is a show that I watched uh, the first season when it came out, and. Uh, I just saw that the new episode started dropping and I was like, oh, wow, it's been a while since I've watched this show. So I decided to put it on and I actually had a funny experience with the first episode because uh, one of the main characters in the series is uh, this drug dealer guy. And the first episode starts out with kind of his backstory, like his life story. And it's very messed up and demented and just focuses on like the dark aspects of life if if you if you kind of get where i'm going there (laughs) i'm not going to go too into detail but i primarily know what the show is about yeah well it's funny because the intro to the second season is kind of this one character's backstory and i was watching it and i was like you know i don't know if i want to watch this show anymore Because I was just like, this show is very dark and it just kind of focuses on the seedy underbelly of everything. And I, I, I think I might turn this off. And I waited like I didn't turn it off. And then when the show gets going, when it comes back to present day and the scene they go into was just super suspenseful and it hooked me like I was about to turn the show off. But then the very next scene, it hooked me because it was just that suspenseful and that good. So I'm like all in on the second season now, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty funny, but the show, the one thing I'll say about it that I really enjoy is 
the show does a lot of one of my favorite things in movies or TV shows, and that's when they put characters in dangerous or um, yeah, just really dangerous or suspenseful situations. And you're sitting there watching and you're like, how are they going to get out of this? Like, I have no way how these characters are going to escape from the situation they're in. And this show, like, you know, the, the second season is only two episodes in at this point. And I feel like there's been like five or six situations (laughs) like that already, which might seem like overkill, but at this point I'm just eating it up. Like I'm having a lot of fun with the second season, even though it is like very dark subject matter, as I mentioned. Um, And the other thing I'll mention is just, there's a lot of really cool, um, like cinematography, like cool cinematography paired with just cool, you know, paired with cool music and stuff like that. There's a lot of really out there kind of artsy cinematography choices this season, which I've been really enjoying as well. Um, Yeah. So I don't want to go too far into that. There's one other thing I watched, which is a pretty old movie that I kind of thought was funny, but um, I don't remember which, which app I found this on, but I watched Stephen King's cat cat's eye the other day. Um, Have you ever seen this movie drew? No, I don't even know what that is. Okay. (laughs) So this is an old anthology horror story, horror movie where it's, it's basically this movie goes through three different um, tales of terror, if you will. And uh, there's this one cat who's kind of a stray cat wandering through different cities and different areas. And the cat's kind of the central motif or, you know, almost like horror host, but, you know, through all of the stories. And this is a movie that I caught on like, I want to say AMC or something when I was a little kid. And I, I just happened to watch this movie on TV and then I saw it on like it was on Prime or Hulu or something. And I was like, holy crap, I remember this movie. I'm going to put it on. Um, So I put this movie on and uh, the most memorable story within the movie is probably the last one, because uh, the last one centers on a, a young Drew Barrymore, who's one of the actresses in the film. And this is like pretty contemporary with E.T., I feel like I think this is probably a few years after uh, her, you know, her performance in E.T. And uh, the story focuses on this young girl who finds a stray cat as a pet. And uh, the girl happens to have a little troll living in her wall who is trying to steal her breath <laughs> and stuff. And uh, there's a bunch of crazy situations like the little troll kills her pet uh, bird. And, uh, you know, there's all this damage done to the house. And, you know, it goes into that common trope of like, parents blame the the new cat for all this stuff but it's actually this demented troll that lives in the girl's wall the whole time um the one thing i'll say about that story because i think (laughs) it's funny because this movie i think follows a little bit the template of um uh trilogy of terror which i talked about a while back when i watched that movie but it has like two like pretty realistic horror stories and then it ends with this big bombastic like tiny monster horror story which is kind of a really weird (laughs) template but apparently a lot of 80s movies did that but the one thing i'll say about this weird little troll story is there's a lot of special effects that you know you have this little troll guy who's superimposed against you know this regular size drew barrymore and there's a lot of uh yeah just superimposed scenes that look very dated and some of the special effects don't hold up but the moments when the camera zooms in on this little troll character's face, 
the animatronics they built for this character are beautiful. Like, I honestly was watching it and I was like, I can't believe how good they made this troll actually look like the way it moves and stuff like it almost looks like a real animal. And I the practical effects in that last uh, story are amazing if you can get over some of the fake looking super imposition of the troll around, you know, larger characters and larger objects and stuff. But uh, as I mentioned, the two previous stories in this anthology are actually a lot more realistic. And even though this weird, like, you know, Drew Barrymore afraid of this monster under her bed sort of troll story is kind of probably the big bombastic one that everybody remembers. In my opinion, the best story in this movie was actually the second one, which was about this sort of uh, casino tycoon, like mob boss sort of guy who finds out that his wife is cheating on him and is trying to run away with this uh, retired tennis player. And uh, this, (laughs) this casino type tycoon guy ends up kidnapping the tennis player. And as punishment for the guy cheating on his wife, he forces the guy to uh, walk around the ledge all the way around the ledge of his, uh, you know, 50 stories up penthouse in like, I think it was in Atlantic City. I wanted to say Vegas, but I'm pretty sure it was Atlantic City. But this guy basically forces um, this tennis player, this retired tennis player to walk around the edge of the building. And uh, that sequence had me on the edge of my seat. And again, this is a movie from the 80s. I'm not sure exactly what year, but the effects are dated. Like (laughs) there's moments where you can see the wires that are holding this character up. But I didn't care because it was so intense and the storytelling made that scene just so frightening. I was just on the edge of my seat and I was like, "Okay, I remembered the weird troll story from the end of this movie, but I had no idea that this random second uh, story within this movie was going to really be the star of the show. So if you get the chance, if you like weird, random anthology horror movies, I think like I definitely would recommend this movie. I think it holds up on entertainment value, at least, even though some of the special effects are a little dated. So <laughs> that's a uh, cat's eye. I don't know if my description, if you still haven't seen this movie, Drew, or if you still have any idea what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I'm this your description and your not whatnot's just basically making me go, all right, I'm going to at least at the very least look this thing up because I just. <laughs> Fair enough, because I, yeah. I just feel like um, I just feel like a lot of people have seen it and probably don't remember. So that's just why I was curious. But uh, sure. yeah, otherwise, that's literally it for me. Um, you said you watched a couple of cool things. Well, I did. I know that you and I talked so much. The first one on my list, because I know it's the last one on yours, is let's talk about the Moon Knight trailer real quick. Uh, the drop. Oh, absolutely. The, the drop during the football game. Um, my first takeaway was this is going to be on Disney Plus. Like, <laughs> yeah, this looks way too dark for Disney. <laughs> um, it is clearly part of the Marvel Knights. Uh, um, and when I say Marvel Knights, that was kind of like their like, the best way of wording it. Um, it seems like they're pulling Moon Knight from the Marvel Knights storyline. I guess the Marvel Knights take on Moon Knight, if you will. And that was kind of like Marvel After Dark, I guess, is the way of wording it in the comic book world. Yeah. Um, 
because they did a whole bunch of them, like Spider-Man, Marvel Knights, Spider-Man, Spider, um, uh, and they were all like individual stuff. It wasn't really any team. It wasn't there wasn't like a Marvel Knights Avengers. It was like all these individual characters. They all seemed to be mostly street level, not any huge, crazy big powers. Um, Moon Knight's a dark story to begin with, but I was like, this looks way dark for Disney. But that's all right, dude. I'm totally down if they want to <laughs> they want to do something <laughs> like this. Because we eventually yeah. got Moon Knight into the Avengers because, I mean, he was one at one point. So we got to get him in, right? Absolutely. Um, but no, I thought the trailer looked phenomenal. The costume looked phenomenal. Um, uh, Oscar Isaac looked great. Um, I, they're, I, they're playing up the uh, they're playing up the uh, crazy with the character a little more than I thought they were. Because it looks like he's crazy before he gets possessed mm-hmm. by the Egyptian god. Um, and I kind of always took it as he was it, that happened after he got the possession. But I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm not the biggest of um, I'm not the foremost expert on Moon Knight. I've read handfuls here and there. Um, but I just thought it visually looked fantastic. Uh, your takes on this? Yeah, I was going to say it, it almost played out like he was possessed, but he just didn't know it yet, which is kind of an interesting thing. And sure. uh Along with that idea, the from what we saw, I almost felt like this is Marvel's version of uh, Fight Club a little bit. <laughs> like oh, okay. Moon Knight is actually like the Tyler Dur- Durden sort of character in the story. Tyler which is Durden, really Tyler interesting. Crossed with uh, Batman, if you will, because <laughs> you know you got to remember that he, uh, um, uh, Mark Spector is he's a million he's a millionaire playboy just like Bruce yeah. Wayne was and kind of falls into this thing and gets these possessed by an Egyptian god that gets in his powers. And then he's a very Batman-esque kind of look to him. Um, Absolutely. So um, it was um, Marvel's answer to Batman, I guess you could say. So. Um, and then I'm also like just absolutely with you where the tone of the show does, it does look really dark and it does look like something we haven't seen out of the Disney plus shows so far. So I'm definitely here for that. I think that looks great. Um and uh, yeah, as well, you just also said the costume looks awesome, which I agree. Like we saw that screenshot so long ago and we didn't know if it was real, but I'm pretty sure it was if my memory serves me correctly. And uh, no, Moon Knight just looks really badass. And, uh, you know, next Halloween or next comic convention, everybody's going to be dressed as Moon Knight, I feel, because it's just that cool looking yeah, of a costume be, that he pu- they pulled off. <laughs> Moon Knight will be the big... Uh... Um, uh, comic book, Comic Con uh, costume. I think it'll happen. Um, yeah, there is. There was a really funny side by side I saw because there's that shot in the trailer where the costume like just kind of like forms onto his body, and yeah. some, and some guy posted a side by side with Sailor Moon, and he's like, I'm getting real Sailor Moon <laughs> vibes from this. <laughs> that's that's really funny and sometimes i wouldn't be surprised if they stole like you know a a sailor moon frame to uh you know to go with that scene but uh what were you saying uh no i just the i I just thought that was a really funny uh post that i saw um um the the only thing i will say about the trailer and i don't want to be too negative but because the show looks awesome but something about the way this trailer was edited made me feel really anxious and class claustrophobic <laughs> but i also Ooh. know it's because of the way the trailer was there was a lot of like different jump cuts and i think the music they had in the background and stuff really like kind of just gave me that claustrophobic feel so i wouldn't say like i enjoyed watching the trailer but i also think 
that definitely lends to the tone they're going with this show. And I don't think, I think I'll be able to watch the show fine. It's just something about the trailer rubbed me the wrong way. But that being said, I still think it looks, it all looks awesome, if that makes sense. So. Oh, I gotcha. No, the, uh, what's interesting about the, um, uh, what that feeling of anxiousness, I was more like, can we see more Moon Knight? And like the, he was, there was a lot of him out of costume in the trailer and then suddenly he's in costume and the trailer ended. Um, yeah, maybe that was part of it. Like they really kept you waiting and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that might've been part like, we got to show the out. costume, but we're going to save it for the end kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, the show looks great. I can't wait. That's coming real soon here. Um, but yeah, so let's see. Other things I watched. There's a trailer for a movie. Uh, no, it's actually a Netflix show um, called All of Us Are Dead. This I stumbled on, and okay. it's essentially a zombie show. Um, I, uh, I, I'm i going to say definitely check out the trailer. It is a Korean zombie show. And ultimately, okay. ultimately this is a... Um, it's it's a zombie show, you know what I mean. There's not much, <laughs> right, yeah. There's not much too exciting about it, but there was something about the trailer that made this feel fresh and different and smart. Um, it primarily looks like it takes place inside of a high school, but it just the whole thing just seems it. Start, it looks like it almost maybe starts like a. I want to say maybe it's supposed to be like a. Uh, rage virus that becomes zombie related i'm not 100 percent sure but it just feels fresh for the genre so um aside from saying that it's a zombie movie or a zombie show in a high school that's really all i can tell you um it just looks awesome um nice. so yeah t- definitely check it out i don't have too much a review on it because i was like it just looks cool you know <laughs> nice uh-huh. i'll keep an eye out for that one and uh yeah, I'm uh, looking at pictures of it right now, but yeah, I'll let you know what I think of the trailer. Uh, the eventually. other thing I watched, I watched the pilot for the new show, How I Met Your Father, um, which got completely panned by uh, critics. So I was like, well, I guess I should check it out because they were just lots of negative comments about it. Like, you know, this is a show that's supposed to be a spinoff of the How I Met Your Mother, but they really didn't understand what How I Met Your Mother really was. So they're just kind of doing their own thing. Um, one of the, one of the situations where they didn't understand the assignment. Um, it wasn't, the pilot wasn't horrible. I just, there wasn't really one moment that I found was laughable. <laughs> yeah. I was really just kind of sitting there kind of straight face, just kind of watching it the whole time. Like I just didn't care, I guess is the best way of wording it. Um, I'm not a hundred, not a completely opposed to watching more. It's the, it's the me giving every show three episodes rule that I have. Um, I mean, for a sitcom pilot, I definitely yeah. think you should give it another episode at least. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I have a I have a three episode rule when it comes to TV, and I try to and I try to do that unless the show just is utterly like, oh my gosh, I cannot handle this, and I stop. Um, <laughs> but so it's it's not horrible. I just I haven't found that uh, nugget that like makes me go, ooh, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other thing that I watched was uh, the Righteous Gems. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones are back on HBO Max. Um, season one was so funny. I was like, can't wait for season two. The first two episodes are out. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones is that uh, it's a show about the televangelists who run the megachurch. Um, mm-hmm. And it's John Goodman and Danny McBride and like all those like people who run with Danny McBride. Um, and the direction they're going for this season is fantastic so far. It's really funny. And it just, it really makes you laugh at like the, 
the underside of the uh, business world of churches, I guess you could say. That's the best way of wording it. Um, There's a really funny funny physical gag. It's basically, I I have no problem ruining this part if you're going to watch the show because it's clearly the crux that's going to be the over arc, the beginning of the big arc of the story. Um, There's uh, a murder that happens within the show and the main characters discover one of the bodies and they walk in the room and they see the body and they start to panic. What they don't realize is that they stepped into this pool of blood, <laughs> like there's blood all over the floor, but it's dark enough. So they don't know they're standing in it. Yeah. And, um, they try to, they're like in a panic mode and they try to back up and they slip and they fall in the blood and they're like rolling around and they can't stand up because it's slippery. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing because of how like absurd the scene is, but it was such, it was like pure comedy gold is what it was. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but no, like uh, the righteous gemstones, ch- definitely check it out. I think you're going to laugh straight through the show. If you watch it, there's so much, it's, it's such a great dark comedy, but uh, mm. yeah. Um, but the new season started. It's awesome. Um, nice. All right, like I said, we have a ton of news, so let's talk about it. Um, all right, so first off, Ben Affleck has um, broken his silence on the Batman um, and okay. why his script is not done or why his script never got to, hey, this is what we're doing, because the Batman was what was Ben Affleck's Batman, solo Batman film. And then it went to Matt Reeves, who went a whole nother direction, new script, new actor, all that stuff. Ben Affleck is finally breaking his silence on the reason he isn't doing it. Um He says, and these are direct quotes from the interview, um, I started drinking too much around the time of Justice League, and it's a hard thing to confront and face and deal with. I've been sober for a while now, and I feel really good, as healthy and good as I've ever felt. And the process of recovering from alcoholism has been really um, instructive. Um, He said, uh, I showed somebody the Batman script. They said, I think the script is good. I also think you'll drink yourself to death if you go through with uh, what you just went through again, referring to this, um, the backlash from Batman vs. Superman and then uh, the changeover from Justice League from Zack Snyder to Joss Whedon and all the nonsense that happened with Joss Whedon. Um, Affleck said, directing the Batman is a good example. Um, I've looked at it and thought, I'm going to be... I. I'm not going to be happy doing this. The person who does this should love it. You're supposed to always want, um, you're supposed to always want these things. And I probably would have loved doing it if I was in my thirties or something, but it was the point where I started to realize it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad to hear that, but at the same time, I'm really like glad we got some clarity as to what was going on in his head. Um, I really wish we could have seen the solo Bat, uh, Ben Affleck film because I really thought he did a phenomenal job as Batman. But it's nice to get some clarity to that. So, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, you know, I agree that he did a great job as Batman. And I've I've actually heard before. Um, I guess it's all just Internet hearsay, but I've heard people talk about how Ben Affleck, um, not like that he's an alcoholic, but that he likes to drink and stuff like that. And people have. um talked about like fluctuations in his health that you can see and stuff. And uh, I guess like, I didn't know that, that, that like alcoholism factored into maybe some of his dark experiences with 
you know, portraying this character and the world's sort of reaction to it and stuff. So honestly, I think it's just kind of cool. As much as I wanted to see his movie, I just think it's cool to uh, hear that he's making a healthy choice about this. And um, it's one of those things where I remember when Ben Affleck got the role and hearing uh, Kevin Smith champion him so much, like before anybody else did, I feel like Kevin Smith was really like, no, Ben Affleck's going to kill it at this role. And uh, one thing that Kevin Smith would always say is Ben Affleck is one of the biggest Batman fans that he knows. Like, Ben Affleck loves this character. And knowing that he went what all, I mean, I don't know what all he went through, but knowing that this was, like, a hard experience for him to play this character, I kind of just hope that he can still like he still has his love for Batman or he can still find his love for that character. You know, I hope that he can still find some enjoyment of it, but overall I just think it's cool that he's making a healthy choice. You know, you can't blame him for that. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, all right. Um, in the realm of DC news there's a couple things and then we can shift gears. So, uh, first off, um, they revealed the costume for the Batgirl, uh, (laughs) costume. I've I've been hearing people talk about this like on podcasts. I haven't looked it up though yet. Okay. So so it's <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? It's interesting. I feel like this is this interesting split because there's two costume reveals this week. One, the Moon Knight costume, and two, the Batgirl yes. costume. And I feel like everyone went, "Oh my God, the Moon Knight costume!" And they showed the Batgirl costume, and everyone just kind of sat there looking at it. Um, is it the one where it's like blue and there's like a zip up? Yeah. So okay. I, I did I see was, that actually. I didn't I, realize that's what it was though. <laughs> during DC fandom, the way they were talking about Batgirl, I was totally expecting more of a new 52 look to her costume. Right. And I was not expecting the rebirth look. Um, and that's just the way they were talking concept art, that kind of stuff. Um, the costume looks great. It literally looks like they took the rebirth costume and said, this is what we're doing. Here you go. And I think it looks I, th- I think it looks great. Um, I just wasn't expecting it. So, yeah, that's really all I got for it. Um, it's, I don't know if I want to say it's a zip up thing. It almost looks like it more as a jacket than anything else. But I think it there, looks- there is like a zipper in the middle of it. That's why yeah. I, I just yeah. said that. But. If you've ever looked at the Rebirth comic, if you've ever looked at the Rebirth uh, artwork, it's exactly what she looks like. Um, yeah, I, I remember when that came out, it kind of um, it almost looked like a little bit like hoodie-esque like the the costume looked like I guess what I like about it I understand I know that there's been a lot of people complaining about this but what I like about it is it looks like something somebody would actually wear and although like I do like when superhero movies are very fantastical and not always super realistic I always like the costumes to be believable or there to be like believable reasons these characters are in in the costume so i don't have any complaints personally yeah. i think it kind of looked cool but i don't know what are your thoughts overall no i just i just think it looked good I, they, it's one of those yeah. things where it's one of those things where and back in the day um with the original x-men movie they would not put them in the original costumes you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't put them in the original costumes because they didn't think that, you know, they would work on television or they were, wouldn't work in the film. Uh, it's just a different time. It's that kind of thing. And now you get to you get to a point where we're just like, no, 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 you guys have one job. Get it right. Give us exactly what it looks like in the comic books. And it's like alter the story all you want as long as you make the characters look like the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Marvel and those characters look like the characters. You look at what's going on in DC World, they're looking like the characters, but it's like, 
they take look at the picture in the comic and they say that's what it's got to look like no matter what the movie does you know um and i appreciate that attention to detail it's just let's get the movies right too (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Um, (laughs) um speaking of getting the movies right the director's cut of the flash is being put together right now um i saw this headline and i pulled it see a lot of times a movie will finish filming and they'll post a thing that says they've wrapped filming and you're like great, we still have to wait for CGI and editing and all this nonsense to happen and then <laughs> see the movie. So I appreciate yeah. no progress. However, seeing one that says director's cut of The Flash is being put together says that the movie is already out and we're waiting on a director's cut like the Snyder cut. Um, right. <laughs> I, that's not necessarily the case. We're still a ways away from the director's cut, but they have, but the director has to put a cut of the film together to show to the execs. And then it either releases as is or it might get tweak that's where they run into like reshoots maybe they cut that maybe they're like no no no, lose this 10 minutes here you lose this two minutes here can you put this in you know that kind of stuff that's that happens so a cut is being put together is what i got so um (laughs) we're we're getting closer (laughs) but so i also so people aren't like holy cow we're getting a director's cut of the flash i don't necessarily think we're looking at snyder cut level (laughs) yet I do feel a little bit like director's cuts are going to be built into uh, the DC movies sort of like business model, though, a little bit because of how much hype there is around the Snyder cut and how much people want to see the air cut of uh, the Suicide Squad. And Warner Brothers is probably sitting there thinking like, okay, so we can get all this initial money, uh, you know, at the box office. But then a year or two later, we can release the director's cut and we get a whole another huge lump lump sum of cash so i wouldn't be surprised if like we're gonna see a lot of dc director cuts and that's kind of what i'm hoping for but we'll see how everything plays out uh maybe i don't know if i have enough faith in the warner's execs to uh understand that yeah Uh, but if they were smart i think they would go that route (laughs) if they're real smart they wouldn't shoot themselves in the foot and just give us a proper film to begin with and then they wouldn't have to go back and Um, at any rate, and you know what? I don't feel bad saying that because everybody says that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, James, uh, all right. William Defoe, uh, wants to play a Joker. Um, William, uh, William Defoe wants to play Joker and then Joker imposter alongside Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I'm going to read you the quote. (laughs) I'm going to read you the quote here, but what I read about this is that's a really interesting take. But it also makes me wonder if William Defoe just really wants an Oscar because everyone who plays the Joker gets an Oscar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's true. Uh, I also just think that sounds like the greatest movie ever, though. At the same time, but right. uh, keep keep going. Uh, William Defoe said, "There's something interesting about like if there was a Joker imposter, so it would so it would be possible to have not dueling Jokers, but someone that says to be the Joker." That isn't the Joker. And that kind of opens up the possibility of an interesting story, particularly particularly if you had a Joaquin Phoenix Joker and then you've had someone who was either imitating or riffing off uh, what he did. Um, This is really interesting. Uh, It's a really choppy quote because I feel like he was stumbling over his words when he was putting that quote together. Um, It's the idea of a Joker copycat which is terrifying if you think about mm-hmm. it in the realm of the Batman universe. What's really interesting, if you go back into the Detective Comics-ish, like, Detective Comics, like, 
200 something. I don't have the number on top of my head, but you know, I'm reading through all the detective comics. It was like detective <laughs> right. comics, 200 something. There is an issue where there's an imposter Joker. Um, yeah. And it makes me wonder if um, that was literally like copycatting the Joker and he tried to go and kill the guy because of uh, the copycat issue. Like, no, you can't take credit for my crimes and that kind of thing. Um, and it makes me wonder if that's like an old one that William Defoe just remembers from his childhood or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I just think I just I still think that'd be the greatest movie ever, because I just think of. <laughs> Willem Dafoe portraying the Joker, which is something that I've seen, you know, fan photoshops depicting for years. And then just imagining him playing opposite of Joaquin Phoenix and just that would be so like awesome. That would be so fun to watch. So this is probably going to go into the bin of movies we want to see, but we never will. But it's still a cool idea, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. James Gunn says DC and Marvel didn't force story mandates into his movies. Um, He says uh, people tend to think that there's a master plan for Marvel. But the truth is, Marvel never asked me to do anything other than in the first Guardians to put Thanos in there. Okay. And to come up with what the Infinity Stones were. Other than that, Marvel has never asked me to do anything. And the same thing has basically been true of DC. Um, okay, nice. What I like about that is there's a there's an interesting uh, interview that I listened to with Kevin Feige where they were asking him about it was like right after Avengers one. And they're like, was this all a big plan? And his response to the question was not originally. It was always a what if like, hey, right. What if we get here? Why don't we just put that in the movie just in case? You know, like. <laughs> You know, like uh, if you watch Iron Man one, there's a reference to um, the Ten Rings, um, you know, so it was like sprinkle this stuff in because why not? It's part of the known universe and fans will eat it up. And then as they got as they started making movies, it was more of a, OK, is there a possibility we could do this for real? And then you get the Avengers one. And that's when the real plan started forming. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I kind of liked that. But, yeah, he's right. We all tend to think Marvel dictates what goes in the movies. But if, like you said, they told him to put Thanos in the movie and the and an explanation of Infinity Stones. You know what I yeah. mean? There you go. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's uh, in a way it's kind of cool. In a way, it's like really surprising how much freedom it sounds like the writers and directors get on these movies. But I just think if you look over at uh, Star Wars and some of the things that have been said by uh, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams. It almost sounds like the Star Wars movies, the uh, writers and directors get a little bit too much <laughs> creative freedom in ways. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that Marvel would be handling it in the same way. But um, it's just interesting how well the Marvel movies have turned out if it's true that they're getting that much freedom. But it's honestly really cool to hear in a lot of yeah. ways. It's This is a really vague topic that I don't even know what all to say about but it's just it's really interesting you know yeah agreed um so all right let's keep going we're running a little longer than i thought we were going to but that's okay um spider-man uh a copy a page a single page i saw this on the news i thought it was the full issue secret wars um number eight Mm -hmm. um is the issue where it's the original issue, the original secret wars number eight from the eighties is the original issue 
where Spider-Man gets the Venom suit for the first time. It's the original. Yeah. It's the original origin of the um, a single page of the artwork from that comic book of Spider-Man standing there with the Venom suit just sold at auction for three million dollars. That is awesome. That's crazy. I know. It's the you said it was the original artwork, right? It's the original artwork. So it's basically yeah. the page from the book. Mm-hmm. So it's not even the full issue. I just thought that was interesting because it's the it's basically someone bought the single page. Where like the last time uh, Superman Action Comics or Action Comics number one went up for sale, it was like three million something. So I just thought it was interesting that it was just the one page as opposed to the book, because um, it was they were specifically focusing on the artwork. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's it's the actual like drawn um, like the actual original artwork, though. Right. So that's kind of I mean, yeah, it it is crazy. You don't hear about those like in the news and stuff. You don't hear about these stories a lot. But when you go to a convention and you start looking at the original pages of artwork on sale, you're just like, oh, wow, this stuff can be really expensive. But (laughs) the fact that it sold for that much is one, it's legendary, but it's just kind of like it's just awesome to hear, even though I'll never own a piece of art that expensive. But it's just it's cool that it's that valued. Definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, D- Disney's D23 Expo, which is basically their big uh, shareholders convention where they release all their big news and really lay out. It's, it's their Comic-Con, basically, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be getting a. um virtual convention um in the world of covid and all that stuff i'm not surprising but after the success of like dc fandom also doesn't surprise me so i'm kind of excited about that so we can all tune in and get some you know maybe watch the panels because i never get to see those panels i kind of have to like really sift through news to find that stuff when that convention happens uh so it'll take place between september 9th and 11th um and the full schedule will be uh uh coming out soon but I just thought that was cool. So um, D23, we're going to get to watch virtually. So I'm excited to see what Disney has in store for us by the end of the year. Is, is it going to take place in the metaverse? <laughs> Probably. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, two really funny stories, and then we'll jump into the news. Um, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, those movies, yeah. um, a series will be coming to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> And Tim <laughs> Allen will be returning. <laughs> oh, well, I was my comment was going to be like, if it's not Tim Allen, I'm not in. But uh, <laughs> this sounds hilarious. Um, if you watch those movies, they just get more and more ridiculous as they go. And it makes me wonder if it's going to be a semi grounded Santa Claus story like the first movie or if you're going to have like. You know, the later movies where it's like Martin Short playing Jack Frost and you've got like the robot version of the Santa Claus running around and it's just off the walls bonkers. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure. But it sounds like something fun to watch around the holidays, if nothing else, you know. Yeah. Well, how about this? This is my favorite story of the week. And then we'll jump to our list for the night. Uh, this comes from Deadline. Um, Harry Potter himself. Daniel Radcliffe will be portraying Weird Al Yankovic in the biopic Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> like, this sounds like the smartest thing 
ever. And I, you know, it's funny when you come out of movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and like, man, that was such a good movie. And you think to yourself, what other band would be like such a good movie to do this with? Weird Al Yankovic, you don't even think about. Oh my God, this seems like the greatest idea ever. Like it really, really does. <laughs> no, uh, I think I think weird. I think there definitely is a good story to tell with Weird Al because I'd I'd be really curious to like find out about his humble beginnings and stuff. And you think of like in the '90s, he had like a weird feud with uh, Coolio when he released uh, Amish Paradise and stuff. So. I don't know. It seems like there there is a story to tell there. Um, it's just I just sit there and wonder, like, why? Why is it <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe of all people? I don't know. But I was thinking about it and I was like, this might actually be brilliant casting. So you think so? Yeah, I really do. Like, it might really be brilliant casting. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Um, um, this I could is... be wrong, but I don't know. I had a, I actually saw a friend posting about this online earlier, and uh, I believe this is a Netflix. This is going to be a Netflix project, right? Uh, it said Roku, but I didn't fully understand what that meant as opposed oh, okay. to not getting a theatrical release kind of thing. Yeah. So um, either way, I was kind I just, of hoping just... it was. I don't know why I thought I saw Netflix's name attached to it, and I was kind of hoping that would be the case because that means it's either going to be amazing or it's just going to be clowned on for the rest of our lives like uh kind of how people poke fun at like the netflix anime adaptations and stuff so i don't <laughs> it'll just this is just weird <laughs> i don't even know what right. else to say about it <laughs> well i just it i'm just i'm excited i think it sounds really cool yeah um all right man you ready to talk about the list for the night yeah for sure cool all right um ryan it is list time so do me a favor and roll the thing All right, Peter. So this was your list. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain to everybody who didn't tune in last week what the heck we're doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, this list is a direct response to our previous episode because last week, um, Drew, you wanted to do our top five films that we think are perfect. And uh, I remember approaching that list and just being like... I don't really know how to do this. And uh, it made me kind of think like it'd be fun to do a list about movies that are so bad that they're that they're good. So that's what we're doing is our top five movies that are so bad that they're good. And uh, it's an interesting topic. It's going to be interesting to see which movies you pick, Drew. But um, in my opinion, I do really like B movies. I think you get a bunch, a group of friends together. You pick the worst movie you can find. Half of the time it's a horror movie, but a lot of times it's just something else that's really bad. And you sit around the TV and you make fun of the movie, and uh, it's just a great time. And uh, yeah, I just think um, I just think it's an interesting topic, and I'm really curious which movies you picked. But I don't know if you have any thoughts about this list. But well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you tackle it a little different than I did. Um, I was kind of looking at it going, I know these movies are not good, but I really enjoyed them. I think there's a little bit of that in there too. Does that make sense? Like that's, that's kind of how I tackled the list anyway. So yeah, yeah. I I think there's a little bit of that and there's some movies that I'll talk about that I think have some really redeeming qualities, but that's just kind of, uh, 
that's just kind of where I went with it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know too much else what to say. Uh, we can jump in if you want. I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. I have one. Okay. Then, um, yeah, I have one honorable mention. So, um, so I, yeah, I guess you, I guess you got to go first. So it goes to the back and forth properly. So, yeah, yeah, sure thing. So, oh, well, the first one I don't want to talk too much about because I feel like this movie has been talked about ad nauseum, especially with this topic. But I went with The Room, um, the Tommy Wiseau film. And uh, this movie is a classic. It is definitely oh, on the Mount to, Rushmore of. Uh, just to confirm, we're talking about the room, not room. Yes, yes, the room. Okay. <laughs> and um, for everyone playing the home game, so you're not getting it confused with the Brie Larson movie where she won her Oscar. And yeah, I think I was gonna say critically, I think uh, the movie Room is uh, received much differently than the room. But uh, <laughs> this is a movie like I also I felt like we had to mention tonight because it's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of so bad it's good movies, and I think it really holds a top spot for a lot of people. Um, and I really enjoy this movie as well um, for all the right or wrong reasons, however you want to look at it. But the reason this movie didn't make my final pick is um, this is a movie that I remember getting so much hype. And uh, I remember seeing I think I might have even caught it on um, Adult Swim back when they would air this movie. But the thing is, I watched this movie by myself and I thought it was funny and awkward and everything, but I never had that I mean, it kind of makes me sound like I don't have any friends. I promise I do have some friends, <laughs> but I never had that group experience of everybody watching the room and clowning on it and just realizing how ridiculous it is. You know, a lot of these movies, you have a different experience when you watch by yourself. And that's the only reason this is an honorable mention for me is more based on the environment that I watched it in, um, even though I do think this movie is ridiculous and definitely deserves a mention. Um and also, uh, I, I actually appreciate that this movie, a lot of the bad aspects of it are based on the acting and the dialogue in the film, as opposed to bad special effects, for example. Like, it's all based on just awkward, bad dialogue and stuff like that. So sure. I do appreciate that this maybe is bad for different reasons than other movies we could pick. So, yeah, sure. the room. <laughs> um, all right. Well, oh, yeah. So I got to go, I guess. first. <laughs> On this one. Um, okay, so this movie, I don't actually, this movie's on my honorable mentions list because I really don't think it's a bad movie. And I don't think the general world thinks it's a bad movie. Um, but it got a really, it got a lot of like bad reviews and like people tend to like, you know, not like it when you bring it up in conversation. Like, oh yeah, that movie sucks and like that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily think this is a bad movie. I just, maybe people didn't understand it. Um, the other reason I'm bringing it up is because I feel like it fits this list in an honorable mention category in the honorable yeah. part of the list, but it also, um, it, it's gaining massive like traction in terms of number of views right now on Netflix for some bizarre reason. Um, <laughs> and that movie is the ninth gate. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I've seen this. I didn't know people didn't like this movie actually, but yeah, like for some reason people just don't like this movie. Um, but it's also like gaining massive headway on um, uh, Netflix right now, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and but it also reminded me like, oh yeah, I really do like that movie, but I know for some reason people don't. Um, ultimately, this is uh, Johnny Depp plays like a. 
I don't want to call him a book collector. He's like one of those guys that appraises like old books, old manuscripts, that kind of thing. And um, he's hired by this rich like collector guy to track down a book that was thought to be written by the devil himself. And um, the reason he's tracking it down is because there's rumor that two other people have a copy of this book. So he's like, take my copy, go find out if their copies are real and find out which one is the actual legit copy. Because if the devil wrote a book, there's no way he wrote three of them. He wrote one of them, and I want to know which one's the most authentic book. And all this supernatural stuff starts, you know, happening during the course of the movie. But you find out that the book, all three books were actually written by the devil because there's slight, if it's true that it was written by the devil, but there's very tiny, slight differences throughout each book to indicate its authenticity. And when three books are brought together, you're actually able to summon the Dark Prince himself. Um, the movie, I thought the movie was phenomenal and I was like along for the ride, like all the way through. I'm like, this is cool. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I just loved, I thought it was a really fun movie. Um, but for some reason people just didn't like it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't have too much to add to this one. I do. You talking about this movie. One thing I was thinking of is I do appreciate that this movie stars Johnny Depp and he's not playing like an over the top really weird crazy character he's kind of like a lot more subtle and a lot more normal of a person which you <laughs> honestly don't see Johnny Depp play that often but yeah. I think if you go back and revisit this movie it'll be refreshing uh for that reason so um yeah I guess I can go on to my next honorable mention unless you had more to say on the ninth gate yeah no go ahead this is like I said it doesn't really fit the list because I really really like the movie and I don't think it's bad but for some reason some people do so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So my next pick, um, this is another one that I think I think if you had a Mount Rushmore of so bad, it's good movies. I think this movie would definitely be on it. And that movie is the Toxic Avenger. And uh, this is a movie that it's ridiculous, but I honestly don't know if I think it's as bad <laughs> as bad as other people do. But I don't know if it's just that I love the subject matter that much because you have like this radioactive, toxic, like deformed guy who um, ends up becoming a superhero essentially. And uh, this is kind of the movie that put trauma studios on the map. Like trauma is the movie company that uh, James Gunn actually used to work for oddly enough, but uh, this is the movie studio that's known for making the worst movies ever. Like uh, they did Poultrygeist and they did just a bunch of ridiculous films. But uh, Toxic Avenger is kind of legendary as it's one of the big name ones. And this is a movie that even spawned a uh, animated series like in the 80s and stuff. But I just the Toxic Avenger has a great aesthetic to him. He just looks slimy and gross and the movie is ridiculous and it's really fun. And I remember uh I think it was like back in college, I started to get really into more of like the splatter sort of horror flicks like Dead Alive and stuff like that, like just really gory, but really fun, goofy movies like that. And uh, the Toxic Avenger was like a movie that I had to see at the time. And uh, no, it's just it's just great fun. I don't I don't know too much else uh, what to say about it, but it's just yeah, this this is a good pick if you want, you know, a really chintzy bad movie that's also really just a blast to watch yeah yeah yeah. i totally get that um all right so first picks of the day 
Absolutely. All right. First pick for me is The Sixth Day. Um, have you ever seen this? <laughs> no, I've actually not seen this. Uh, we've talked about it before. And yeah, I we have. When, I remember when it came out, I thought it looked awesome, actually, but I never actually watched it myself. So, so this movie is an absolute bomb of a movie. Um, it really does feel like someone went, hey, Schwarzenegger, remember that movie called Total Recall you made, which was really cool and confusing and you had to follow it, mind trappy kind of stuff? Yeah, that sounds like a cool. Yeah, that was a cool movie. You want to make another one, but let's do it with clones instead of like a weird mind trip. Um, <laughs> I mean, on paper, it sounds great, right? <laughs> on paper, it sounds great. Um, there are some things I really want to defend about the movie because I was like, ooh, that was clever. But ultimately, this is not a good movie. Um, I just remember enjoying it. <laughs> right. OK. Um, it just basically falls in the bottom barrel. And I know there's someone out there who listened to the just heard me say the sixth day and like, oh, my God, you pulled that movie out of the woodwork. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the sixth day, I do think it's, I, there's some really clever things they did in terms of like the cloning and like who's who, and is he, is he the real person versus the fake person? That was, there was some cool stuff with that. And there's a lot of, uh, and there are some actors that basically they pulled from, he's not the only one they pulled from Total Recall. Like, let's see if we can get the band back together. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, um. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun movie to watch, but it's not it's it's definitely a pretty big steamer, if you will. Um, yeah, I like your description. Does it because it does remind me that some of my favorite movies are the movies that you watch and you know they're bad, but at the same time you love them and you think they're awesome too. Like it just makes me think about how you get far enough into the Resident Evil movie <laughs> series and they stop feeling like actual movies and they're just six, kind of ridiculous six. and silly, but What's that? It was the no, it was the fifth movie. Oh, that's where the turning was. <laughs> that I'm sorry, like I five movies in and I'm like, nope. Like that <laughs> that fifth movie was such a I'm like I literally was like, what the heck am I watching? So yeah, I finished it. I finished it because you got to finish it. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you're like, I liked that a little bit too. So uh, no, I definitely know what you mean. But uh, yeah, definitely a funny pick. And uh, I didn't know if you had more to say on that nope, one or if nope, I should not at all. Okay, <laughs> so my next. My next one is a cheat, and uh, I feel like I haven't had a lot of cheats for a while um, in our show, but this one I had to do because there was one of these movies that I watched and I had a great experience, but I couldn't pin down which one it was. (laughs) So I went with the whole series, and that is the scary movie series. And I think when it comes to parody films, I feel like Scary Movie 1 is a classic. Like, I think that's a good, just really funny parody film. But as that series goes on, much like Resident Evil, it gets more ridiculous and the movies start to get worse and worse. And uh, I remember um, hanging out with one of my friends and uh, it was one of those things where you're with a group of friends and you're waiting to go out to eat or something like that. And you're just kind of sitting around waiting for people. And uh, for some reason, one of the scary movies was on the TV and we were watching it and we were laughing at it, but we weren't laughing at it because we thought the jokes in the movie was funny. We just thought it was funny how much how hard the movie was trying to make you laugh. <laughs> that makes right. Sense. No. Yep. <laughs> and it was one of those things we were just like we it kept getting funnier because we realized that every five to ten seconds they had to have some ridiculous like immature like sexual joke or just some like stupid gag like every five to ten seconds and none of 
none of them were funny, but we were just laughing because of how ridiculous the situation was that they were actually trying to make us laugh. And I feel like that is true for most of this movie series. So it definitely deserved a mention for me. And I think if you watch this series, like certain movies in the series and an ironic way like that, they can be definitely really funny. So yeah, that's probably all I have to say about that pick. They were trying to be airplane. Yeah. Um, I've heard there's some really great interviews with the writers of airplane where they talked about how they wrote a serious script they wrote a serious script and then started going, okay, where are the jokes? And they put in the jokes and then one of them would pass the script back and there's not enough jokes. We need more jokes there. And then they pass the thing back and like, nope, not enough jokes, put more jokes. In. <laughs> and that's where you, and like you get, when you see the final product, there's not like a screenshot that goes by without a joke somewhere in the <laughs> shot. And I really Absolutely. feel like, this, and I really feel like the scary movies. And I remember thinking that when I saw the first scary movie was, this is the horror version of Airplane, and they went in going, we're trying to do Airplane. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You talking about that, I'm just going through air, Airplane gags in my head and cracking up. So. Right. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a good point. Um, I Now, let's shift our gears and talk about pirates. And I'm not talking about Dead Man's Chest. Um, because the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie was not the best. No, I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about the movie Cutthroat Island. Do you remember this? Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. But yeah, I might have something to say about this one, but keep going. Cutthroat Island is really not a good movie. And Gina Davis as a pirate is not believable in any sense of the means whatsoever. What this movie had going for it was Matthew Modine and the producers from the Die Hard series, and they said, we're going to make a pirate movie and have some cool sword fights, which there's some cool action sequences in this movie. Don't get me wrong. The action sequences are pretty top notch because you have like the Die Hard guys coming over saying, hey, we're going to make a pirate movie, and then we're going to do some cool sword fight scenes. And there were some cool things in the movie. I'm not going to lie. Ultimately, this movie was not good, but I do remember enjoying the film. Um, and I've seen it a couple times, so. Uh, but what were you going to say about Cutthroat Island? No, this is just one that I've seen on lists of, like, the worst movies of all time. And I've always, like, personally, I'm like, really? I thought Cutthroat Island was pretty badass. <laughs> but this might be the situation where, uh, this might be one of those situations where, um, my nostalgia glasses are on and I can't see the flaws in the movie because I remember watching Cutthroat Island as a kid and just thinking it's the greatest thing. And anytime I've revisited it, I've still really liked. But maybe I maybe it's just a blind spot for me. Um, you talking about this movie, though, Drew, I remember as kids going to the video store and renting this movie. And uh, we actually rented this movie and Waterworld in the same weekend. And boy, that was the greatest weekend ever. It's just nothing but awesome, badass water action movies. It was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, I'll tell you, um, it's, it's, it's a movie. I mean, it's literally got everything you want in it. It's just, I just don't think the execution was the best. And I remember really enjoying it too. I don't know. When was the last time you saw it? It's probably going on a decade. I know I've watched yeah. it as an adult, but it's been a while. Yeah. Trying to revisit it. It definitely doesn't hold up and it should because it's a period piece. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the weird part about it. Um, that that great. one chase scene, the uh, stagecoach chase scene, or however you want to phrase it, like that's sure. 
really great scene. Yeah, there's some really great scenes in there, nonetheless. Yeah. So, sure. um, moving into my next pick, and I think this pick's gonna make you laugh because I went with uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, <laughs> <laughs> which we all know and love the uh, Ernest movies, <laughs> right? Um, and my favorite one was always Ernest Scared Stupid, and I think this was uh, another one of those movies that as a kid I just I loved monsters and stuff so much that. Ernest Scared Stupid with all the trolls and stuff, I just really enjoyed. But the movie's called Scared Stupid, and Stupid is in its name, so you know the movie is dumb. Like, this is a dumb kid's movie, and if you watch it as an adult, I don't think any of the humor holds up. And there's a lot of weird, um, there's a lot of weird, like, bits where it's just Jim Varney doing just really bizarre things, trying to get a laugh. But, uh, I do think there's a couple redeeming qualities of this movie, um, one is the practical special effects in this movie, I think, are great. Like, I think all the tro- trolls do look really gruesome, and I think there's just some really good costume work and puppetry in there. Um, and I also like that this movie is – it's a kid's horror movie. So the trolls, for example, they don't kill you. They turn you into, like, these little wooden statues. And uh, I think that's a cool a cool trope because – Obviously, in a kid's movie, you can't show a lot of blood and guts and stuff like that, but you can show the threat of like, oh, I don't want this troll turning me into a wooden doll and stealing my soul. Like, you know, that's something you can get away with in a kid's movie. And I think um, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever write a kid's book, but it's something that maybe someday I'd like to do that. And uh, it's something I like to keep in mind, like Ernest Scared Stupid did take a lot of smart choices for the demographic that it was going for but all in all this is a really silly goofy film you know (laughs) yeah this was i i remember really really enjoying this movie when i saw it i was also really young i don't know if it holds up i haven't seen it in a really long time but i remember (laughs) but i do remember watching it going that was a lot of fun (laughs) yeah i think if you watch it you'll probably have a similar reaction to me where it's just like this is really stupid, but man, those trolls look cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Right. Um, all right. So my next one for the night is a movie called The Big Hit. Have you ever seen this or do you know what I'm talking about? I've seen parts of it. All right. So this is like Mark Wahlberg's like first movie, I think. Like it's either maybe I'm not 100 percent sure. He plays he is a hitman in a group of hitmen. So it's like a team group and they go around and like they complete the said hit bounties or hits or whatever. And the opening is kind of cool. It's like this cool, like action gunfight scene. And then from that, he has to take this hostage, like this, like this, uh, uh little Asian girl hostage. Cause they're going to use her for ransom to try and rip off this, like Chinese. I don't know if he's Chinese or Japanese, but it's like this, like mob boss or whatever. And he's going to like hold her hostage at his house. They're like, why don't you just hold her at your house? He's like, no, my girlfriend's parents are supposed to come over for dinner. And um, his girlfriend's uh, Christina Applegate and whatnot. And she has completely oblivious to the fact that he does this for a living. Um, And uh, he's like, we got to, you know, they're they're coming over and we got to cook her this, this whole like big meal. And it's supposed to be this big thing. Like, no, no, dude, you got to keep it at your house. And, um, so he's trying to hide this like Asian girl in his house and she's like not having it, but she also understands the situation he's in. So in a way she's trying to like help him at the same time. (laughs) Um, And then there's the hilarity ensues with the team running around trying to like 
uh, ransom, uh, get the ransom for this girl and all that stuff. And then Mark Wahlberg's boss is pissed that they're doing this without him knowing about it. So like, then he gets, then he goes after Mark Wahlberg and then there's a big gunfight in the house. And while the whole thing is going on, Mark Wahlberg is being hounded by Blockbuster Video for not returning a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the Planet of the Apes movies or something like that. And um, it's the movie is like this crazy comedy mess that I think too many things like, you know, when you throw stuff at the whiteboard and you wonder what's going to stick too much stuff stuck and it just kind of derailed, if you will. But <laughs> The blockbuster gag sounds hilarious. It actually sounds like something that you'd see in like a diehard movie. So I definitely appreciate that. But uh, no, this movie I've seen parts of back in the day. I always wanted to go watch the full thing, but just haven't, I guess, haven't had the opportunity to. But uh, yeah, it sounds really hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, seriously, um, if you get a chance to watch the big hit, watch it. I'd love to hear what your opinion is. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't know if it holds up, but um, there's some there's some, some big enough actors that you're going to go, oh, my gosh, he's in it, he's in it, or they started here and went, you know, forward, so. Nice. Yeah, anyway, what's your uh, next one? Yeah, my next one, I don't want to talk too long about it because we've talked a lot about this movie in the past, and that movie is Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh. We didn't match on this one, did we? No. Okay, awesome. Um, and I thought about, and I honestly thought about putting it on my list, and I've made a lot of comments about how bad this movie is in a while. Yes. Only reason it would make the list in terms of me liking it is me being nostalgic to the fact that it is a Batman movie, and my forgiveness is the fact that I'm a super Batman fan. Right. Uh, and I was like, I can't, that's not fair to my list to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Batman and Robin... I've talked about it on the in the past and how I've actually come to appreciate this movie more as my life goes on. But I think the thing is, this movie is the perfect movie to put on with a group of friends and just make fun of it. Like this movie has so many ridiculous parts and it's such a silly movie. And I think I think part of the reason it's like so like universally hated is because everybody takes this movie seriously. And I think if you watch the movie and you just clown on it and like look at it in a tongue in cheek way, I think that's where this movie really shines. And so this movie was just perfect for my list. And I also think that this is like, like I said, this is a great movie to watch with friends and make fun of, but I like that this isn't some like obscure B horror movie. Like this is a, this movie is a household name pretty much. Like this is a movie that everybody's seen, but maybe hasn't watched it with the intent of making fun of. And I think that's just a really fun experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's bad man and Robin. Like I said, I didn't want to dwell on that one for too long. All right. So the next one on my list is Dickie Roberts. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I didn't expect this to be brought up. <laughs> have you ever seen this movie? It's been a long time, but yeah, I have. Right. So essentially, David Spade plays a child actor, Dickie Roberts, who um, is kind of like a has-been, washed-up childhood actor, and he's trying to make it big and get in the new Carl Reiner movie. And um, he goes on this quest to like relive his childhood so he can understand what it's like to grow up properly in a normal home so he can understand how to play the role to get the movie um 
and uh, he basically rents a family, if you will, <laughs> to like live with. Um, so he can so he can learn what it's like to be a part of a real family. Um, that concept is just asinine to begin with. But there's some really like look, the movie's really not good. It's just it's just a bad movie. But there's some really really funny like one-liners. First off, it's David Spade, so you're gonna get some funny one-liners to begin with. But they crammed in like some really good people, like John Lovitz and some other comedians, and you know like they're all. And aside, like, aside from Lovitz, who's playing a specific character for the sake of the story, most of the people in the movies are playing themselves um, in the one movie. They're mostly playing themselves. And it's a lot of, like, childhood actors or, like, old TV actors. Like, you know, the Brady Bunch, the original Brady Bunch cast is in the movie. And, like, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are in the movie. And Brendan Fraser's in the movie. And, like, uh, Tom Arnold's in the movie. And, you know, like, it's this massive, massive, like, let's see how many celebrities we can get. Um, and put them all in the movies and, you know, like, it, it's just, I thought it was a really fun, clever movie. And like, even when you get to the end and there's this thing during the credits where they have like all the like old school TV actors, like on stage doing this like song and dance thing. Like, it's really, it's just, I thought it was a clever movie, but I know the world hates this movie, it, uh, but I also know that it's not a good movie at the same time. So <laughs> But yeah, Dickie, I, uh, I remember enjoying it, so. <laughs> I, I saw this movie when it came out, and I definitely didn't remember all that. <laughs> Outside of, like, the childhood actor part. And um, I remember, one of my um, favorite one of my favorite bits, there's, uh, so he's living with the family, and there's the one little girl who's trying out for, like, I, I want to say it's, like, the dance team at school, or it's the cheer squad. That, that I'm kind of fuzzy on, because even in the movie, I'm not 100% sure if it's dance team or, like, cheerleading. Um, but there's the one girl that's like her school nemesis. She's like the mean girl of the school or whatever, like the popular one. And she's always like, she clearly doesn't like this girl. Well, David Spade teaches her like a routine to, um, do like a dance routine for her audition. And she's learning this dance routine. You don't really know what it is. It's clearly going to be something like cool and classical because David Spade will be like classic rock or whatever. Um, something he grew up with as a kid, and he's just teaching her some, like, you know, childhood acting kind of dance stuff. Well, you get to the actual audition, and the mean girl gets up to do her dance, and I want to say it's, like, Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera or something like that, and it's like the, and it's like this, like, 12, 11 or 12-year-old girl doing this really sexual, like, slutty, like, seduction type of a dance and what makes me laugh is like the audience is like, what the hell? And they're like kind of sitting there kind of squirming in the seats. And then you see the judges like squirming in their seats like they didn't know what to think about this. Um, but, the girl, <laughs> but the girl clearly is like just selling it as best she can because that's what you see on TV. And she's just trying to emulate like Brittany and Christina or, you know, those kind of people. And then the the main girl that David Spade was teaching stuff gets up and does her like classic rock thing and everyone's like oh my god this is the greatest thing it's such a funny bit but it's probably one of my favorite scenes just because of the reaction to everyone in that scene and it's hard to not laugh at it <laughs> um, nice um well yeah I don't know I guess um yeah, so I guess I'll every, have to watch this movie if so I see it anywhere everyone go see you know I, I thought I thought it was a really funny movie so yeah nice um go ahead yeah uh okay um yeah so for my next pick um which this one i feel like you might not agree with 
but I, I went with uh, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> Ghost Rider oh, no. <laughs> yeah, What's that? I don't agree with this in the sense that it wouldn't have made my short list, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. So this is a movie that... So like I was talking about on The Room, like some of these movies you get a different what? experience when you watch. Huh? Is this the second one or the first one? This is the second one. And some of these movies you really get a different experience when you watch with a group as opposed to watching on your own. And uh, I think that uh, this this movie, I think if I watched on my own, I would have taken it seriously and I would have been like, that was OK. Like, it wasn't that great, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but I remember when this movie came out, one of my buddies was like, dude, I just read <laughs> I just read an article about Nick Cage performing in the new Ghost Rider movie. And uh, he it just sounds like he acted like a ridiculous jackass on set. And we got to see this movie. And it was one of those things where <laughs> I guess on the set of Ghost Rider Two, Nicolas Cage, like he didn't have to. But he wore this like weird skeleton, like corpse paint looking uh, makeup the whole time. And he like had the inside of his jacket like he drew like weird ancient runes on the inside of his jacket. And he pretended to be some like ancient demonic spirit or something the whole time and it just sounded <laughs> i guess it sounded so ridiculous to my friend but he kind of rounded up a group of us to go see this movie and half of us were pretty weary because i i didn't mind the first ghost rider movie too much but a lot of my friends were like we didn't really even like the first one but uh my one buddy was just like no trust me this movie's gonna be hilarious and he took us all to see it and he was right this movie was hilarious and most of it had to do with Nicholas Cage's uh, portrayal of Ghost Rider in this movie. <laughs> the movie is just ripe with Nicholas Cage overacting. And like I said, if I watched this on my own, I probably wouldn't have laughed at it so much. But we went to the theater basically to make fun of and laugh at this movie. And there's just certain parts that I just rewatching. I just know I wouldn't be able to take seriously. Like there's this one part where it's like Nicholas Cage is on his motorcycle and he is driving around and he's trying as hard as he can not to turn into a uh, ghost rider. And he's like freaking out. And the way he plays that out is just so funny to watch. And it's like a close up of his face the whole time. And I just remember laughing so hard in about that in the movie, but I feel like this movie kind of knows that it's kind of bad, but good because it kind of all culminates at the part where Ghost Rider is riding. It's either in a truck bed or on a trailer behind a truck. <laughs> and I just remember him standing there and peeing off of the side of the truck. And Ghost Rider is basically pissing fire. <laughs> There's the shot of Ghost Rider's skull face looking towards the camera and like nodding with like this ridiculous skeleton grin as he's peeing fire off the side of a truck. And I think just like watching this stuff with a group of friends with that sort of tongue in cheek, like we're just going to laugh at this thing sort of mindset. Yeah. It made the movie so hilarious, but I do, I do know that there's people who are legitimate, legitimate fans of this movie. And I think I would have taken the movie a lot more seriously if I watched it by myself. But just from that experience, I just had to, this movie just had to make my list. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't remember the truck scene that you were explaining, but I do remember <laughs> watching the movie by myself, thinking to myself, how did this get a sequel? Uh, <laughs> really, I was like, holy crap, how did this get a sequel? 
Um, well, it, it, it is true. There is a part where Ghost Rider pees fire off the side of a truck. So, um, all right. Uh, my last pick for the night um, is the movie Swordfish. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, it's been a while. Is this considered a bad movie? Yeah, people just hate this film. Crazy. You, okay, those, I didn't know those that. movies that hits worst films of all time kind of things. I don't. I remember really liking the movie, like as a whole. Yeah. I mean, it's got a great cast. You know, you got Don Cheeto, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, John Travolta, and you know, goes from there. And then it's basically, it's basically a movie about a bank heist, but a very elaborate. Um, hacker level bank heist that turns yeah. into this crazy like gun standoff and it starts kind of like at the end of the movie and then it flashes back and then you watch a linear progression all the way up to that ending of the movie and it's got kind of a cool unfortunately I'm going to spoil it and say there's a twist ending which means you're going to wait you're going to be waiting for the twist to happen but I just remember like there was some not so great CG at like the beginning because they had to do this. It was like a bomb explosion stuff and it was the early days of like CG. But overall, I actually kind of enjoyed the movie. I mean, the acting's not the greatest, but ultimately I thought the movie was okay. It was pretty fun, actually. Um, yeah. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, I'll give you that. That's one for sure. The Paul Oakenfold uh, score is uh, just fantastic. Um but yeah, people hate this. Like, this is one of those like really hated movies. And when you bring it up in conversation, there's the majority of the people are like, "Oh, really? This movie?" Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I I say this for last just because like I ended up really liking this movie. So, um, and yeah. I've seen it a few times, but anyway. yeah, no, that's um, it's cool that you bring up the Paul Oakenfold soundtrack because I feel like that's a name you don't hear brought up a lot. Like, I feel like in the like late nineties, early two thousands, he was like one of the bigger like movie and TV composers you'd hear about. And like, I haven't heard that name in a while. I, f I don't know if it's like Trent Reznor, like took over like the electronic movie soundtrack spotlight sort Probably. of thing or what happened. But, um, but otherwise like, no, I just remember enjoying this movie and thinking it was really cool. I don't know if I like thought of this movie, like, like I'd never thought this movie was going to be an Oscar winner or anything like that, but I just remember having a fun time watching it. And uh, you mentioning like some of the bad CGI, <laughs> it makes me kind of want to go back and revisit this movie with that in mind. Cause I don't think I've really watched this since it came out, but uh, yeah, definitely an interesting pick. And this is one that I didn't really know was uh, really that hated at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unfortunately it is, but anyway, <laughs> You're, uh... I, Go ahead. What? Yeah, I I kind of like that you finish your your list with a movie that you legitimately like because my move my last pick is kind of completely in the other other direction where this is another movie that I think is on the worst movie of all time Hall of Fame. You know, I think we've got the Room, the Toxic Adve Avenger, and then my next pick is Troll 2, and I think this is definitely up there. And I don't know what's the fourth movie that's on that uh, Mount Rushmore that I'm building. Maybe it's maybe Showgirls or something. I'm not really sure, but we'll have to figure that out at a, at a later date. But, uh, Drew, have you ever watched Troll 2? Uh, troll? Yes, I have. Okay. I have, I have seen Troll 2. Because <laughs> there's the Troll movie, and then there's Troll 2, which is... 
technically a sequel because it's in the same franchise, but it's completely unrelated to the first movie. And the, the whole movie is about a town that's taken over by goblins. Yes, you've heard that right. There is no trolls in Troll 2. All, yep. <laughs> all yep. of the villains in this movie are goblins. <laughs> and what the goblins do is they turn people into plants and then they eat the plants. Why they don't just go ahead and eat regular plants, I don't know, but they have to turn the people into plants first. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they're a threat to people. And just this movie from the outset is so... None of it makes sense. And if you watch this movie, there's just so many ridiculous parts. Like the town that the whole story takes place in is this town called Milbog. And one of the big turning points of the movie is when one of the characters realizes that Milbog is goblin spelled backwards. And uh, no, it's just it's just a ridiculous movie that I love. And like this is a movie if you haven't watched Definitely watch it, but make sure you watch it with a friend or a few friends because you'll have a blast at just how ridiculous this movie gets. Um, my other favorite part of this movie, and this is going to be a spoiler, but it doesn't really matter in this case. But the way that the main it's the movie centers around this family and the way that the family defeats the goblins at the end of the movie is they they meet up with this old man who lives in the town who ends up bringing them to this giant magic boulder like stone sort of thing and it's this magic stone that they use to destroy the goblins and uh there's the main like little kid of the family and he asks the old man like well what do we do to the boulder to make the goblins disappear <laughs> the old man's respond is you just have to touch it <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do is touch the stone and that's literally what they do is they go and touch the stone and the goblins disappear and of course it's a horror movie so you know there's some sort of clincher like you know how are you know maybe the goblins are coming back or maybe they aren't i don't want to spoil too much of that but i just think this movie's a treat in all the best or worst ways however you want to phrase it but uh no this is this is a classic that everybody <laughs> needs to watch yeah, and I don't know if I really have anything to add to it, because you clearly remember the movie better than I do. <laughs> um, but you're right, this is, it's, you know, and it's funny because you don't think about it, when you're watching it originally, you don't necessarily think about how there's no troll in the movie. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, no, Troll 2, um, definitely in the world of like B-horror movies or C-horror movies, I guess, maybe um everyone should check it out because it's definitely a treat um all right man you ready to hear what we're gonna do next week yeah yeah what, what did you get right. well we don't ha we haven't done a year in a really long time um i was kind of looking back and like wow we haven't done a year in a while so we're gonna take a we're gonna hop in the way back machine and take a trip back to the year 1993 um and uh take and our favorite movies from that year crazy okay um do you know what year that was well there's one movie that i think came out that year okay <laughs> that's probably gonna make my list and then you're gonna laugh at it but <laughs> oh okay it is there's, what it is but there's one this movie is... there's one movie that i'm expecting us to can directly match on um, okay for sure um, and it'll probably be our it'll probably be our favorites of that year. I almost can guarantee it uh, without looking at the list. But I'm gonna have to look at the list anyway. So, 
1993, I don't know, but I feel like that's the time when, for some reason, kids' entertainment was obsessed with ninjas, and that definitely would reflect <laughs> on the age I was at that time, because I feel like it's like you got surf ninjas and three ninjas, and all this ninja stuff was coming out around that time, so we'll see if any of that makes my list, is all I'll say. Yeah, well, um, that's not the direction I was thinking when I said it. <laughs> One big movie that we're probably going to match on, but that's okay. Absolutely. Um, but we'll save that conversation for next week. Uh, you ready to put this one in the can? Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. All right, everyone, do us a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with us there and hit us on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also uh, leave us a review, which we love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be on the search for some original Bulgarian MIAC. <laughs> <laughs> all right um everybody uh for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and thanks for listening we'll see you next week mm-hmm.